0: Ever wonder about questions that don't seem to have solid answers? Like if God is so good, then why is there so much suffering in the world? Or why should we trust the Bible and who wrote it anyway? Maybe you found the answers, but they didn't fully satisfy you. Well, welcome to Straight from the Bible, where you can find real answers from God's Word. Give us a call if something's on your heart. You can call us right now at 472 1111 or in the CNMI at 323 1113. You can also text or WhatsApp your questions to 671 686 9999. And now, straight from the Bible with Pastor Masseed Edel. Half a day and good
1: evening to Straight from the Bible. This is Pastor Masseed. It is so wonderful to have you back to join us as we study God's Word together. Before we do, as we always do, let's bow our heads and ask God's blessing upon our study today. Let's pray together. O loving Heavenly Father, thank you, Father, so much for your holy book, your holy word, O Lord, that gives us life, understanding, hope, and peace, and joy. And now, Father, as we study it today and as we answer questions, we know, dear Lord, that Uh, Of our own selves, we cannot answer anything or understand anything. Lord, we need your Spirit. So we humbly ask that your Holy Spirit please be with us now. Lead our hearts and our minds, O Father, to understand truth and to lead us to a closer walk with our beloved Savior. We thank you, dear Lord, and we ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, good afternoon, everybody. This is Pastor Masik, and I'm here with uh, our dear friend Scotty. And Scotty is going to be reading some questions uh, that have come in through email and, and other places. And once again, if you'd like to give us a call, please give us a call with your Bible question. If you're in Guam, they see NMI or text or WhatsApp us. And you can even, Scotty, correct me if I'm wrong, they can also leave a comment, a question on our Facebook live stream. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay, well, Wonderful. So we'll begin with our questions, and then if you have a question, go ahead and give us a call or a text, and we'd love to hear from you.
2: Okay, let's go, Scotty, from the top. All right, a question came in, and it reads, is it proper for a Christian to leave an inheritance to unconverted children who might squander it selfishly? Is it proper to leave an inheritance
1: to unconverted children who might squander it Uh, selfishly
2: yes that's correct.
1: well that's a great question well the Bible does say that we are to give uh, that good parents are to give an inheritance to the children Um, at the same time it also speaks about uh, the danger of simply storing money for self and and for our own families as well without giving thought to the cause of God Uh, let's go to the book of Proverbs chapter 13 and Scotty, maybe you can read this for us when you get there.
2: Okay, Proverbs...
1: Chapter 13, verse 22.
2: 13
3: and
1: Proverbs 13, 22 is the promise
2: of um, leaving an inheritance for your child. All right, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22. A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous okay
1: great so you know of course uh, as believers in christ as we believe that one god is the author of all things and he owns everything and he really everything that we value materially and everything else in this life really all belongs to him and so when we pass on of course uh, some of those material things uh can pass on to our loved ones uh, and the, I guess the, the the questioner is asking, uh, would, would they be able to safely do that, to give that to their unconverted children? Well, I would say that if your child, of course, is still children and they still need, and of course, they need uh, some kind of inheritance. And usually when we think of inheritance, we think of uh, material things like money or estates or things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the, for this particular one, if these are people that, of course, are... Maybe still very young and cannot really uh, fend for themselves, and of course, as a as a good man, the Bible says, "We ought to leave an inheritance for them as well." Uh, uh, in in another case, of course, if they're you know grown adults and uh, they may not have the cause of God in their heart, uh, then of course, you as a believer in Christ, you can give an inheritance to them. But uh, at the same time, remember. Uh, As a believer in Christ, uh, if you love the Lord, you want to support him, support the church, support his work. Mm -hmm. And even if you pass on, if there are things that you possess that could be used to support God's work, uh, then that would be the wisest thing to do. I think of the story of uh, Annas and Sapphira. Annas and Sapphira had uh, sold their possessions in order to help the cause of God, but they kept things back. Uh, disguising that they did sell it, and this is all the money that, they're, that they earned for it, but then they kept back the money for themselves. Mm-hmm. And maybe they kept back the money for their own kids as well. But they said, well, it's for the cause of God. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 5 that they died because they lied to the Holy Ghost. They lied to the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. But let's go to the book of Acts chapter 4, Scotty. Acts chapter 4, and I want you to see how the apostles and the disciples and the believers in Jesus dealt with their possessions. In Acts chapter 4, let's begin in verse uh, 34. uh, Now read it. And it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 34 to 37, it says, Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses, Sold them, and brought the prices of the things that were sold, and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite and of the country of Cyprus, having laid, sorry, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So what did they do, Scotty? There are two things that these people sold, their houses and their lands. So pretty much their entire estates. And so when they sold them, where did they give them to? They gave them, of course, at the apostles' feet. And so, of course, uh, the cause of God um, was so important to them that their lands their houses, mm-hmm. they sold in order to further the spreading of the gospel. Amen. And so that's the principle that I would use to answer the question. And the principle is, of course, uh, follow the Bible, command to leave. Um, uh, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children at the same time to remember that the cause of God is uh, could also benefit mm-hmm. uh, from what you possess and ultimately really everything we possess as gods and we simply
2: return it back to Him. Yes, we do. Hey, next Th- one's gone. Yes, sir. Thank you for answering that question. The next question that came in is what is biblically permissible when it comes to entertainment and what type of instruments? Okay. So, what kind of um, what
1: kind of entertainment is okay? Yes, it's permissible. Yes. And what, what, what kind of instruments? Is that instruments, as in like devices, or, or musical instruments, or
2: yes, like the drums? Oh, or okay, the, okay. the
1: little ksh. sure. All right. Okay,
2: <laughs> I forgot what that is. But. Uh,
1: symbols, I believe, are called. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so, what is biblically permissible when it comes to entertainment? Uh, this is a very good question. I'm so glad that you asked it. What is biblically permissible? Now, entertainment, of course, uh, can mean many things. So, what is the Bible standard that a Christian, that a Bible believing uh, Christian would follow when it comes to things like entertainment? Uh, The answer is found in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 8. Philippians, chapter 4, verse 8. And, Scotty, when you get there, go right ahead and read that for us. Philippians, chapter 4,
2: verse 8. Philippians chapter four, verse verse number eight. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's and, a really good question. Go ahead, Yes, go ahead, yes, it is. I've been I've been wondering about this question mm-hmm. myself, and told the caller. Um, Philippians chapter four, verse eight. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is Admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Okay, think about such
1: things or meditate about such things. Right. So the writer, uh, who is Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he says, "Whatever." Mm -hmm. So whatever is anything that you see, hear, or anything, uh, let it be noble. So let it be pure. And so, if these things are holy in and of themselves, whatever you see, uh, think on these things, meditate on these things. Mm -hmm. So, here's the way that we would um, filter or screen any kind of entertainment that we as a Christian may or may not uh, partake in. One, is it holy? Uh, Two, is it pure? Uh, Three, and you can go down the list. Mm -hmm. Now, if it isn't, then what's the answer? then, of course, and that kind of entertainment is something to discard. Right. Now, in this day and age, uh, it's getting uh, more harder and harder, more difficult for Christians to go online or to even go around or travel and have everything be pure, holy, and noble. Everything is blaring at you left and right with a lot of impure things. And yet, God has commanded us to shut our eyes to that which is evil, and to keep our eyes on that which is holy and good and beautiful and pure and true. And if something that we uh, behold or watch or do is of a lower nature, it's not pure, we, we know that Jesus wouldn't sit right next to us and watch it with us, then I think we know what to do. We go ahead and we simply eliminate it. And you know, there are a lot of wonderful things to do in life uh, than those things that we, we could find entertaining. Uh, there's a lot of wonderful other alternatives and other sources of things that you could do that would not lower our, um, sorry, that would not compromise our relationship with mm-hmm. God. And so really, I would stick to Philippians 4.8 in pretty much everything, everything you do and everything you see, and even when it comes to entertainment.
2: All right. uh, whatever is pure and holy. What was the other one? Yes, whatever is pure and holy. The other the other one is admirable and loving. Absolutely. You, you know, it all comes down to what would Jesus do? Absolutely. You know, just, just think about it, right? Well, Absolutely. If, if you're wondering if that music is good, then maybe it's not so good.
1: Yeah, it's better yeah. to err on the side of, uh, of safety. Yes. You know, I like to say, this is what I like to say. When we're not sure, I like to say... Um, If in doubt, leave it out. Yes. Just to be safe because we're not sure, let's go ahead and just leave it aside. Mm -hmm. Now the question is this, why? Why can't we uh, view impure things and immoral things and watch what we want to watch? And um, why can't we do that? And the reason is, here's the the answer. The Bible shares the principle that what we behold, we become changed to become like. So we become what we behold all the time. Mm-hmm. So if all that we're beholding is impurities or just utter silliness or complete uh, immorality, then that thing is not only something that we're watching, but that thing that we're watching, we are becoming like we are being changed in the inside to be just to be just like that, mm-hmm. and um, far from you know, far from where Christ would want us to be.
2: Yes, we have uh, just about 15 minutes before we go into our break. So we encourage the callers. We have some line opens right now. Give us a call with your Bible questions. If you're calling from Guam, 671-472-1111 or in the CNMI, 670-323-1113. We're streaming live on Facebook. So go ahead and leave your comment section and leave your questions in the comment section below. Another question came in, and it was by a caller, and he asked, Are Catholics Christians, too? Are
1: Catholics Christians, too? You know, that's going to be a little bit difficult to answer because it's going to depend on many things. Uh, One, you would really have to define, you know, what is a Christian and what is a Catholic. Um, And then you would have to define what do you mean by Christian. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I will say this... um, Here's what the Bible says uh, in the book of Acts. It says that in Antioch, uh, they were first called Christians. Now, a Christian is someone who wants to follow Christ, who has made the commitment to follow Christ, who has made the commitment in his heart to read his holy word and to obey every precept and to obey every command and every promise that Christ himself has uh, laid out before us in his holy book. And so, you know, there are many people who claim the name of Christ, who put on the name of Christian, but the real test of a of a Christian is not to be simply a Christian in name, but to be a Christian in in how you live your life. Let's go to the book of James, chapter 1, James chapter 1, verse... Let me find it. James chapter 1, verse um, 22. And it says this, James chapter 1, verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Mm. But be doers of the word and not simply hearers only. I could either say... um, You know, anybody's a Christian or Uh anybody's a a Catholic, and that's just the the name only. But are they doers of what Christ has done and would want us to do? And so I would say that the very test of what makes a person a Christian would be the Bible and uh, the Bible only. Mm. And, of course, Jesus himself also said that, by their fruits, you shall know them. Yes. Listen, if if I go around saying I'm a Christian, and I love the Lord Jesus, but I'm I'm hitting my wife and I'm doing all these bad things, right. here's the answer: I, Am I a Christian? And what do you think is the answer, Scotty? I think no. And the answer is <laughs> absolutely right. <laughs> I I think not. And so, um, is is are Catholics Christians too? There are many wonderful, loving, faithful, godly, Christ-loving Catholics out yes, there. Yes, there is. There are many wonderful, godly, Christ-loving uh, Baptists and, mm-hmm. and Pentecostals and Adventists and, and everywhere. And even mm-hmm. some places who have never even heard of the name of Christ, uh, the Bible does teach that through his Holy Spirit, uh, they have the law of God written in their hearts through the Holy Spirit. And okay. although they may have not, known all the truth, and yet God has been speaking to them. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Jesus says in the book of John chapter 10 that he has sheep that are not of this fold in other folds, that he will also go out to call and bring them into this fold, that they may be one fold. And so um, uh, the answer is uh, you'll have to decide based on what the Bible says mm-hmm. and what the fruits also determine, not only for, you know, is, is a Christian a Catholic, but at the same time, really, you have to ask the question, am I a Christian? Right. Am I a follower of Christ? Yes. I think that's a, it's a great question. It is. I think it's more of a reflective question when you right. really think about it.
2: Yes. And yeah. I like how you brought up, there's some people that never even heard of the Bible, but sometimes you you wonder, man, that, that person is living such a lovely uh, life and mm-hmm. he's so caring. Absolutely. He's so kind. The Holy Spirit's working in them. Absolutely. And just bring them to that kindness and what what would reflect Christ. Absolutely. Absolutely. So personally, I love what you said, Scott.
1: Scotty, a person who is a Christian, somebody who is striving by the grace of God through the power of the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. to reflect Christ.
2: Yes. All right. Thank you for answering that, that question, Pastor. Mm-hmm. All right. We have an eight-year-old. You know, the the kids, they have questions of their own. They, they think love of a those. lot of things. I like those ones especially. <laughs> yes. They're challenging, uh, but good. Yes. And it reads, what does Jesus, why does Jesus want us to go to heaven?
1: Uh, wonderful. That sounds like a familiar question. Okay. Why does Jesus want us to go to heaven? Mm-hmm. Great question. I'm so glad whoever... Um, Ask this question. I love little kids' questions, Connie. Yes, so do I. So why does Jesus want us to go to heaven? In a short answer, because he loves us very much. But I'm also going to give you another answer. Oh, Mm -hmm. this is the same answer, but from Jesus himself. It's in John chapter 14, verse 3. And this is what it says. in John chapter 14, verse 3. It says... And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. And here it is, that where I am, there ye may be also. So why does Jesus want us to go to heaven? He wants us to go to heaven because where he is, that's where he wants us to be. Yes. You know, when you love someone, you want to be right where they are. You want to spend time with them. You want to be with them. You don't want to be far away from them. Mm-hmm. If you love somebody, you want to be where they are or you want them to be where you are. And you see, Jesus, he loved us so much that he came to be here where we are. Right. And now that he's gone back to heaven, he wants us to be there where he is. Yes. So it's because Jesus loves you so much and he wants you to
2: go to heaven and he has prepared uh, a beautiful home for you. Yes, he has, and just like how we like we want to spend time with with our family, always being with them, the same with Jesus. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, we have a, another question from Amani, and it and it reads: If God created us, then who created Him? Like, what was there before God? Great question, Amani. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Amani, for always
1: calling in and giving us your uh, your questions. Those are really nice questions. So, Amani asked, "Who created God, mm-hmm. and um, what was He like, or what was what was there before God?"
2: Yes, That's was it. there anything was was there any, any anyone else before Him? That's a very deep question. You know, God
1: has described, Amani, uh, in three words. I'm going to teach you these words. They're the kind of big words. And that God is described as omnipresent, meaning He is everywhere all the time. God is omniscient, meaning He knows everything. And that God is om- omnipotent, meaning He is all-powerful. Now, I'm going to teach you a new word that God is also described as. And that word is transcendent. Transcendent.
2: Hmm.
1: Now, transcendent simply means that God is above and beyond and outside of, of, of creation, of time, of everything that we know. He is just, he is who he is. Uh, we go to the Bible in the book of Isaiah. Now let's go to the book of Isaiah, Scotty. In Isaiah 57, verse 15, it actually describes uh, God. Uh, 57 verse 15, it describes God's uh, transcendence, I guess you would say. It says this in Isaiah 57 verse 15, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabits eternity. The high and lofty one speaking of God, but then it describes God as living in eternity. Now it is very difficult for people like you and me who don't live in eternity to understand how someone can live in eternity. Mm. But God is living in eternity. He is eternal life himself. And so it's kind of like this, uh, Amani. I want you... uh, Amani, I'm going to guess maybe what's the highest number you can count. I'm going to say maybe you can count to a billion. Now let's say the highest number you can count to was a billion... Uh, and then I'm going to ask you to keep on counting. And I'm going to ask you another question. What do you think is the last number that you could count to? And what do you think would be the answer? And the answer is, uh, there is no last number. Mm -hmm. Because no matter how high you can count, you can always still count one more. And it is the same thing with God. God like numbers, is so infinite. He he is going on. I mean, he is there from from now until the very future. He he knows all and sees all. And he is there from now until the past and beyond. He knows all and sees all. And he is beyond all of that. So what was there before God? And the answer is nothing. Nothing. Because, no, no, I shouldn't say nothing, but God was there. <laughs> God, yes. He, he, I, I'm going to correct it. What was there before God? Yeah, nothing because God was always there. Mm-hmm. And it's sometimes difficult for us to understand that. And it's difficult I know for you as a child, but for me as well, even adults. Yes. How can God what was he what was there what was he what was there before him? Mm-hmm. And the answer is nothing. He was always there. Because God is omnipotent, mm-hmm. omnipresent, omniscient. And then the new word that you may have learned today, he is transcendent. He is above and beyond uh, creation, time, and, and space and existence. He's not bound to the laws right. uh, that we are necessarily bound to. And isn't that amazing? Um, he is absolutely amazing. But here's the thing. Here's the beautiful thing, of money. Even though God is so great, yet he sent his only begotten Son to become like us. And he came to reveal who this God is. And he revealed Him to us as a God of love and mercy and forgiveness. And I can't wait to meet that God for myself mm.
2: in person, face to face. Oh, yes. And there's a story in the Bible where, where, God, was ask, where God was asking them. They, uh, the person said, where were you when I placed the stars in the heavens? Oh, yes. In and where were you? Yes. And exactly. where were you when he named the planets? Exactly. Yes,
1: right? exactly. Right. That, that, that's a great. That's a. That's a great text to remember. Yes. Because God was always there. Always there. And you know what's more important than that, is that He says in Matthew twenty-eight when Jesus was going up in, into heaven, He says, "And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world." Yes. When God Amen. says He'll be with you always, He will be with you, always because He inhabits eternity.
2: Yes. Thank you for answering that question. And there's the music. All right, time for our break. Well, we time for our break now, but
1: please, if you'd like to give us a call or send us a text or a comment, I'll go right ahead and we look forward to hearing from you. and we'll be right back after our break.
3: This is Pastor Dave with Another Step to Christ. When Jacob deceived Esau and fled from home, he was weighed down with a sense of guilt. Lonely and outcast and separated from all that he held dear, there was one thought that pressed upon his soul. He was fearful that his sin had cut him off from God and that heaven had forsaken him. In sadness he laid down to rest on the bare earth. Around him only the lonely hills, and above the heavens bright with stars. As he slept, a strange light broke upon his vision, and from the ground on which he lay vast shadowy stairs seemed to lead upward to the very gates of heaven, and upon them angels of God were passing up and down. To receive your free copy of the book Steps to Christ, call us here at Talk at 1-800-775-4673.
0: Welcome back to the second half of Straight from the Bible. Call right now with your Bible question. In Guam, it's 472-1111. In the scene 323-1113. You can email your questions anytime to Bible at joyfmradio.net. Submit them online at joyfmradio.net Or message us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash joy from radio Join us now for the second half of Straight from the
1: Bible And welcome back to Straight from the Bible This is Pastor Masit with my co-host Scotty today And we are answering your Bible questions Give us a call or send us a text
2: We'll be happy to hear from you All right, Scotty, what's our next question? Yes, sorry about that Mm -hmm. Okay, our, our next question A caller wants to know What does the Bible say about the Sabbath in heaven? Will we be keeping Sabbath in heaven? Do God's other creations keep the Sabbath? What does the Bible say about
1: God's Sabbath in heaven? That is a great question. Uh, This is referring to the seventh day of the week, which is the Bible Sabbath, uh, kept by Adam and Eve, kept by the patriarchs of old, uh, kept by God's people all throughout the Old Testament kept by the, uh, the disciples and by Jesus and the apostles, and even kept by uh, John in the last book of the Bible when he had a vision on the Lord's Day. And so it would make sense that it would be kept also in, in, in heaven, since, of course, it is a part of God's fourth commandment, which is the uh, only commandment that begins with the word remember and uh, the only commandment uh, that really identifies who is our creator, God. So we go to the book of Isaiah chapter 66 to see that the Sabbath itself is kept in the, in heaven, the heavenly kingdom. And we find that in Isaiah chapter 66, verse 23. And it says this, And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh come to worship before me saith the Lord and this is a beautiful promise of when the earth is made new in verse 22 this, Isaiah has been described as the gospel prophet because uh, he speaks so much of the coming of Christ and of course of the new world and the second coming and if you look at verse, 20, verse 22 it speaks about the new heavens and the new earth which God himself will make So this set of passages is talking about when the earth has been made new and when we're finally home, uh, that even there, when everything has been made new, that God himself uh, will still expect us to keep the Bible Sabbath, because the Sabbath itself, as he says throughout Isaiah, it is a delight, it is a blessing, there's a blessing in it for those who keep it, and it says in the book of Revelation that those who enter the gates are those of course also who keep the commandments and the Sabbath is number four. And of course there's a blessing uh, found in it. But the Bible does say that yes, in heaven we will keep the Sabbath. Uh, Right there in
2: verse 23. What was the the second part of that? The second part is, will we be keeping the Sabbath in heaven? Oh yes, and the
1: answer Mm -hmm. is absolutely. We'll be keeping the Sabbath. And I think the third part was, uh, do other, do the other creation also right. keep the Sabbath? Yes. And the answer is yes. You know the Bible does say in Job that we are not the only worlds uh, that were created. Uh, there are unfallen worlds out there, and uh, yes, uh, they themselves also uh, would also be keeping the Sabbath because when our world was created, remember Adam and Eve before sin were also keeping the mm-hmm. Sabbath. So it would be expected that they also would keep the Sabbath. And so I look forward to that beautiful day, Scotty. Yes, and we'll, so do I. We'll be sitting. I don't know if it's a church or a pavilion or a coliseum. <laughs> right. I don't know. Yep. But oh, I look forward to sitting next to Moses and Enoch mm-hmm. and Abraham. And uh, you know what's amazing is as as much as we look forward to meeting them, when we all finally meet, they're going to also look forward to meeting us. Yes. And getting to know us. So yes. beautiful question.
2: Yes. Okay, <clears throat> and uh. uh question just came in from a caller and it reads what is the paradise in the Bible what is the paradise in the Bible
1: great question now the word paradise comes from the Greek word uh, paradiso if I'm pronouncing that correctly paradiso and it's of course paradise it's mentioned three times in the Bible one in Luke the other in in Corinthians and then of course the other one in uh, Revelation and so when the thief on the cross in Revelation, I'm sorry, in Luke, um, in the book of Luke, when Christ was being crucified, he had the thief on the cross, and Jesus said to him, as surely as I, I, I say unto you today, uh, you shall be with me in paradise. Mm. And so what exactly is paradise? And then the, Paul himself was in vision, and he said he was caught up into the third heaven, into paradise. And so what is actually paradise? We go to the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verse 7. Revelation, chapter 2, verse 7, tells us what paradise actually is. And when we think of paradise, you know, here in uh, in the world, uh, we think of, you know, a beautiful beach, a beautiful island. Guam has been described as paradise, <laughs> yeah. and I agree as well. I agree. And so, what exactly is a paradise according to the scriptures? Well, we go to the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verse 7, and it says this. Let him... Sorry, verse 7. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. To him that overcomes will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Of God. Now it is in the midst of the paradise of god now the tree of life is in the midst of the paradise of god and so paradise is really where god is it is being in the presence of god it is heaven itself that's paradise when we think of a paradise here below we think of uh, we think of a, a quiet beach we think of no no worries and no problems and there's actually an even deeper meaning for the word paradise. And that is paradise is the, is the place where God is. Because it, in, it is in the presence of God that you have fullness and fullness and of joy. So great question. Paradise uh, in the Bible refers to where God is and being in his presence.
2: What a wonderful place that Mm -hmm. is. If we think that the islands or some other place on earth is paradise, waiting to see that paradise. You know,
1: Scotty, I have done Mm -hmm. the same thing. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I'll see beautiful places Mm -hmm. and I I just become so in awe by them. Yes. And in those moments, I remind myself that take this multiplied by infinity and that's going to be uh, heaven. And I remember many years ago, not too long ago, a few years ago, I went to Rhoda. And Rhoda, to me personally, has to be one of the most beautiful places on this planet. I just was amazed by Rhoda's beauty, the beautiful island of Rhoda. And uh, as beautiful as it is, right. I can only imagine that God's uh, beautiful kingdom
2: far exceeds uh, that beautiful island. Oh, yes. And one day we, we will see that paradise Amen Alright we're going to our next question from WhatsApp and it reads is there a Bible verse that tells us how to talk to our Heavenly Father
1: Is there a Bible verse that tells us how to talk to our Heavenly Father The answer is actually yes Uh, Let's go to the book of Matthew chapter 6 and in fact Jesus himself tells us how to do that That's
2: Matthew chapter 6
1: right let me see It tells us how to do that
2: you know i i just i love these questions coming in there's a lot there's a lot on on our minds on on what the bible says and and a lot of when when people are learning through through whatever kind of study they're, they're having. Mm-hmm. They come with some questions and I, I just thank the listeners for just calling in these questions, oh, keeping us yes. busy. You know, yeah. and, and the amazing thing is these questions
1: are so beautiful because the, sometimes we think there's no answer in the Bible for them. Right. And what a surprise and a wonderful surprise it is when you see that, wow, no, the Bible has an answer for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, makes, it, it makes us realize that the Bible has a lot of answers for everything. Yes. And uh, it, it's beautiful. It is. And it doesn't have an answer for this as well. Yes, it does. So I, I was in the wrong book. I was in the book of Mark. So in Matthew chapter yes. 6, uh, Scott, I'll have you read beginning in verse 9
2: um, to 13. 9 through 13. Mm-hmm. Okay, just let me add in the 13 in the book. And it reads, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one amen and keep going amen
1: oh yes amen it says for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever
2: amen amen and
1: so there is the model prayer and when you look at the prayer, it begins with, um, what well, what does what does it begin with?
2: Our father. Our father. Our father.
1: So is there a way that uh, that that we ought to talk to our heavenly father? And the answer is in the question, and the answer is, heavenly father, you talk to God as very much as if you're talking to your real a real father here on earth. However, it's you talk to him as if he was your greatest and closest friend, and you talk to him as if he was your, if he was the parent, and he is, that he is the parent that loves you and wants only the best for you. And this is often called the Lord's Prayer. Now when you read through it, this prayer is not simply, not really a prayer that we simply repeat and say over and over, but it's a prayer that is a model to follow on what things to pray about. Mm -hmm. And it begins with our Father. You know, Scotty, back in the day, back in the time of Jesus when he said these words, that phrase or that understanding of God as a Father um, had kind of phased out. And you see, God in the Old Testament has always described himself as a Father. But during the time that Christ came into the world and as he was here in this time, uh, the traditions of the day, uh, the religious problems of the day, and even some of the wickedness of the priests and the and the religious leaders, had so destroyed the picture of God in people's minds that they no longer saw Him as a father, but they saw Him as somebody who condemns, kind of like the uh, you know somebody who who hurts and is ready to just attack you. And so here, when Jesus is introducing people how to pray to God, relating to him again as a father, it was new to them, because it had been kind of buried for such a long time. And so for them, it was wonderful news that they can actually approach their Heavenly Father, knowing that if he's the Father, then they are his children. And so as you read through it, it tells us how to pray. We are to recognize that he is our heavenly father. It says, hallowed be thy name. We are to remember that he is a holy and loving God. We are to pray that his kingdom come on earth, that he comes soon, that his will be done here on earth. Mm-hmm. But then you are to also present your request to him. Yes. And you are to praise him and, and, and all of that and to also talk to him as if he was mm. uh, very much uh, there and because he truly is. And when it says, give us his daily bread, that's what that, That's the part of the prayer when you get to ask what you want or what you need. Lord, I, I'm i taking a test, and I, I'm afraid I'm going to fail. Lord, I'm living from paycheck to paycheck, and I don't know if I can make uh, the bills this, this coming month. That's asking God for your daily bread. And as you ask God, having a conversation, uh, the Lord delights in that, and your relationship with him builds. And then, as you ask, He will answer, yes, and He will are. provide. Yes. And uh, so, yes, there is a way to talk to God, and and uh, this is kind of a model for us to follow—not to simply repeat it, but to actually pray through the principles of it, and um, and and talk to God, knowing that He is really your heavenly Father, who is really interested in your life.
2: Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you, and. I have a friend that um, told me, and he said, he he thinks of prayer like like in a line. A line. You, you have to wait for your turn until mm-hmm. the Father gets to your question. I see.
1: <laughs> like a long line. No, <laughs> but, it's, it's not like straight from the Bible. It's not like that. Yeah. Uh, prayer, you know, that's what's incredible, Scotty. I'm glad you brought that up. God has all these other millions of, of his children... Billions rather living in this world today, Mm -hmm. and he hears them all. And yet, what is incredible is that when you pray, God hears you, uh, and he hears you loud and clear. And it's amazing because this goes back to Amani's question how you know it's amazing that God is able to hear everybody and have his full attention Mm -hmm. on everybody else but also have
2: his full attention on you. Yes. What a beautiful promise that is. Yes, it is. We have a question from our Facebook. We have a, right. a comment there. And it reads, Can true Christians lose their salvation? Please explain Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6.
1: Let's go to the book of Hebrews chapter 6. And Scott, maybe you can read uh,
2: maybe a little bit. Okay. You get there. Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6 and it reads, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Okay. I think
1: the, the caller may be referring to verse 6. Thank you so much, oh, Yes, And verse 6 of Hebrews, can you read the question once more? And the question is, can a Christian lose uh, his salvation? Right. And the answer is yes. The answer is it is very possible for a Christian to lose his uh, salvation. And uh, we go to the book of uh, Hebrews chapter 6, and we're going to begin in verse 6 of Hebrews chapter 6. And it says this. It says, uh, If they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. And so the Bible speaks about uh, them falling away. And so the question then is, where do they fall away from? Well, of Mm -hmm. course, they fell away from uh, Christ. They fell away from the Word. They fell away from salvation. And so it says, to renew them against repentance, seeing they crucified themselves, the Son of God afresh, and put him to an open shame. These are people uh, described in the Bible. These are Christians, believers who have been once faithful, and yet they have veered off, and now their unfaithfulness is um, bringing a bad name to Jesus. And of course, it's not only that, but it's, it's almost like they're Putting Christ, uh, like the crucifying him afresh, uh-huh. as if what he did for them meant absolutely nothing, and they don't care. Is it possible to lose your salvation? The answer is yes, and there and the examples we have in the Bible are many. We have, of course, uh, one person in the Old Testament. We think of Saul, King Saul. Of course, was filled with the Spirit of God, and at one point in his life, uh, he was used by God. And as long as he was humble and faithful. Uh, God could use him. But apparently, uh, unfortunately, he he wasn't faithful. And the Bible says that, of course, he, he took his own life and he went to the witch of Endor seeking uh, counsel from a witch instead of from God because the Bible says God's spirit had left him. So God's spirit was with him at one point and now God's spirit had left him. Right. And there are many other people we think also of judas uh, judas of course was one of the original one of the original 12 disciples and him of course betraying his master betraying his lord for 30 pieces of silver and the bible uh, describes that the way that judas judas life uh, judas's life ended was also ended in um,
2: taking of his life yeah
1: he also took his life as well and so as you see throughout the scriptures there are people who were One's faithful, and they then they gave their um, their sorry. Then they went back into the world and lost their salvation. Uh, there's another one that Paul speaks about uh, in one of his letters, and his name is Demas. Demas, and uh, in one one letter, Paul in the New Testament, Paul is working with Demas. And then, as you go to another one of his letters, he says, "Demas has forsaken me." Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, Demas has forsaken me and ah, gone back into the world. So, is it possible? The answer is yes. And is it possible for them to come back again? It is possible. So, what is Hebrews speaking about when it says, "If they shall fall away, to renew them again under repentance, seeing they crucified themselves"? the Son of God afresh, and put them to an open shame. What happens is that it becomes very difficult when a person hardens his heart. And it hardens their heart so much that when God is pleading for them to return, sending people to come their way, trying to move upon their hearts, they themselves have basically hardened their own heart and hardened their own hearing that they cannot hear the voice of God. And that's what the Bible speaks about, and that's what Hebrews warns about in Hebrews 6. It warns about the continual um, rejecting of God's voice until you can no longer hear it. You know, we know this when we have an alarm clock, and we when it, we set it at 6 o'clock, and when 6 o'clock comes, we hit snooze and we go back mm-hmm. to sleep. But if you keep on doing that after a while, after a while, you don't actually hear that alarm no more. anymore. It's because you're so used to it. And the same thing with people who live next to airports or train stations. You get so used to the noise that you no longer hear the actual sound. But the question is this, was the sound still there? And the answer is yes. yes. So what would happen? You simply got used to the sound that you no longer uh, really heard it. And likewise with God's Spirit, when we continually reject and, and, and avoid and say no to God's Spirit and to, to God speaking to us, we are literally uh, getting, getting used to and making ourselves accustomed to not hearing Him until after a while we don't hear him at all. Not because he isn't screaming and, and shouting and, and moving and wooing and, well shouldn't just screaming and shouting, not that he isn't trying to, not that he isn't speaking directly to your heart, mm-hmm. not that he isn't trying, but because we have hardened our, ear, our ears so much right. that we don't even hear. Yes.
2: And so yes, it is very possible, thank you. All right, is, is, is it also possible for someone to take you away from, from your salvation? Uh, The answer is no. Mm. It is impossible for someone to
1: take your salvation from you. The only person who can make you lost is yourself. Not even Satan himself could take your salvation from you. And God has ordained it in such a way that your will, your choice, when you choose God... No matter how weak and sinful and lost you are, when you choose God, no matter where you are, whether you're in a brothel, whether you're in uh, in the middle of the ocean, mm-hmm. whether you're in a church, no matter where you are, lit- sleeping on the streets, wherever you are, if you're going through the worst time in your life, wherever you are, if you call out to God and will to choose God and choose Jesus and to make him your savior and to ask for help, he will hear you and he will save you and not even all the demons of hell can stop God from saving you. I love and, that. Uh, uh, in fact, the Bible says that it describes God as um, rescuing the prey from the mighty mm-hmm. and I have the the, uh, the mind of, uh, the, I have the imagination of of God like a shepherd coming and saving the sheep from a lion. And once he has uh, the sheep or the lamb, that lion cannot, cannot. Um, I can't take it back because uh, the shepherd is stronger.
2: Yes, he is. And bigger than that lion. <laughs> yes, he is. A question came All in right. from our caller earlier. It's from Ikey. Hello, Ikey, And he asks, why does Jesus want us to go to heaven with him?
1: Oh, that's a beautiful question. We answered that question earlier. Why does Jesus want us to go to heaven with him? And that's because he loves you so very much and he wants you to be with him. Uh, That's why Jesus wants you to go to heaven uh, with him. And don't you want to go to heaven also? Would you want to be with somebody who loves you and has prepared a beautiful place for you? And wouldn't you want to be with somebody who gave his life for you? And the answer is it's because he loves you so, so, so very much. Thank you, Ike. Yes.
2: We only have about maybe five minutes left. So keep those questions coming in. Text, WhatsApp us, and also signal us 671 686 9999. And leave a comment on our Facebook page. We are live right now. You can also listen live online at Joy FM Radio. Dot net. Amen. Great question, Scotty, aren't they? Yes, they are. Loving the questions this afternoon. Our next question is, what is the best way to conduct Bible study for a small group? What is the best way to conduct a Bible study for a small group? Great
1: question. Well, there are many ways to, to, to do that. Um, one that I would recommend, first of all, is go ahead and just start it. I uh, just start a small group some kind of Bible study small group God will bless your efforts no matter how feeble uh, you may begin go ahead and begin it number two there are many ways I would say look up uh, uh, I would say either it depends on what kind of study you want to do you can have um, you can either put together a study for yourself or for the group by going through a topic or you can uh, get other studies. We have things, studies like Amazing Facts that discover uh, Bible study guides that you can find online. Amazing Facts, discover Bible study guides. Or myislandbiblestudy.com, you can get Bible study guides there, all for, I believe, free, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, you can go through there uh, to start your small group. And there's so much I could say regarding that particular small yeah. group. There's so much. It's one of my favorite things to do. But I would say begin... And uh, find a, a study that works best for your group,? Right. Uh, whether, depending on what kind of group and what, what you really want to study together. And keep Christ at the center of it. Be very mindful of, uh, of, of keeping Christ the center. Make sure you pray that it, um, make sure that you pray that God really be the teacher in that mm-hmm. study. And of course, invite your friends and family to the study and keep it going. If, if two show up, if one shows up, if 20 show up, it doesn't matter how big or how small, right. do it. Because the blessing is in sharing it with other people. That's the blessing, whether two, 20, or 200. Yes. Um, just start it. Just start it, and what about a quiet place or a place where they feel comfortable? Sure, absolutely. When it comes to the venue itself, that's going to be up to you as well. Right. You can have it at your home. If you feel that your home is uh, is conducive to that, it's quiet. You could have it at a park. Uh, you could have it uh, really anywhere. Uh, let me see. I've had Bible studies that began pretty much in different places. Well, you know, <laughs> and uh, some of them we didn't even mean to have Bible study, uh-huh. but it, that's kind of what you want. The Bible yeah. should be something that uh, you could talk about anytime. And but we know, for us we typically have our Bible studies. We've had it at homes, we've had it in um, uh, the offices of uh, businesses who are also people that wanted to have the studies mm-hmm. in. We've had it at churches, in rooms, different places, and uh, uh, as long as everybody is okay with it, you yes. know, just just do it.
2: Yes, I would say, and if they don't have no material, they can also uh, give us a call here. We'll, Absolutely, we'll we'll. More than happy to absolutely, give them something absolutely to, to start and, absolutely. until they find their own.
1: If you would like, at least to begin with some kind of a resource, or you would like us to direct you to resources, please give us a call here at Joe FM. Talk to Scotty, and we'll be happy to provide you with the resources to start your Bible study group. Yes. Well, study the uh, well, Scotty. That's our uh, the end of our study for tonight, and yes. that's our music. Uh, let's go ahead and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Loving Father, we have truly enjoyed studying Your Word, O oh Lord. And thank You so much for honoring our prayer and answering our prayer and being with us and leading our hearts and our minds. Bless every single person who listened. And Lord, bless every child who listens especially and in in all the questions they've asked. Lord, may You keep them coming. In a very special way, bless all of our listeners, bless their homes, and be with them, Father, today in a very special way. And we thank You and ask all these things In
2: Jesus' name, amen. 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 This is Pastor Masik saying good night. And this is Scotty saying good night as well. And God bless you.
0: Thanks for joining us for another edition of Straight from the Bible. If you missed out on your question and would like to have it aired next time, you can also email us anytime at bible at joyfmradio.net. Submit them online at joyfmradio.net or message us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash joyfmradio. Join us again next time for another edition of Straight from the Bible. Until then, may God bless you as you study His Holy Word, the Bible.